Well, it's so good to see all of you today. I hope you're happy and excited and come expecting our uh, youth ministry remnants coming back from AZ, uh, Gen Z for Jesus. And um, they've had a great time and uh, we're just so glad to get them back home and see what God did in them. Amen. I think just the unity alone is going to be so powerful. So I just want to remind you, Wednesday night we have all church prayer. Last Wednesday was amazing amazing. There was such a, pre a precious presence of God. A lot of our young generation prayed, and that blessed my heart just so amazingly. And so um, I just invite you to come out to that. And then I also want to remind the announcement that I am kicking off a uh, young adults ministry, 18 to 28 or 30. The 29 and 30-year-olds are giving me a hard time. So, um, But uh, it's not legalistic about it, but um, I'm kicking that off on September 23rd right here at the church. So get your young people here. Encourage them to be there. Amen. I truly believe God's going to do something very special with this group. God has his hand on Gen Z right now, and we want to make sure we're discipling them, putting character, integrity, honor, just things that the world is not offering them, and we need to make sure we're doing that. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, um, I am, uh, I've been teaching on our authority in Christ, and I really loved it. And this teaching can follow under the blanket of that, but um, it's not specifically on our authority. I feel like the Lord wanted me to bump this teaching in there, and then we'll get back to some more the Lord's been showing me on authority. But I really believe in my heart, um, as I've been praying the last couple of weeks, that God wants a supernatural miracle for you. And I, what I really want to do today is build your faith. I really want to ignite the faith of God on the inside of you that there is something supernatural that God wants to manifest in your life. And uh, even over the last couple of weeks in the series of authority, I really encourage you, if you have not heard the series yet, get online, take a few days and listen to the three that I have already put together because it's really going to show the importance of walking in the authority for the supernatural. And we're not talking about lineage. Remember, we're talking about seated in heavenly perspective kind of miracles. And I just feel like after, um, I went this weekend to a women's conference. I was invited to speak in Santa Ana, which by the way was gorgeous. And I've never ever just kind of hung out in that area. And uh, there was many speakers, uh, pastors that gave little testimonies and stuff. And I walked away just so hurt because I heard pastor after pastor sharing about how they've been hurt and how they've been struggling, and even since 2020, and, and people walking out of their life, and families walking away from them, and I really walked away, and I went, I know God wants this message for us, because I believe every one of us have carried things that God wants us to let them go, and that we've we're got things in our heart that's troubling us, and maybe being overwhelmed, or maybe in a financial situation, and you need a financial breakthrough in your life. I, I just feel like maybe some of us are doing life on empty, is anybody doing that? Life on empty. And, and those are seasons that we go through. But I really want to build your faith. And as I prophesied earlier, God wants you to step into the new season. And he needs to build your faith so that you can see that you may feel like you have very little for God to move on. But I'm going to encourage you today that God can do so much with a little. Because he's a great big God. Amen. So we're going to talk about that supernatural provision and, and miracles that God wants to release into your life. It seems like everywhere we turn, we're hearing somebody struggling. Somebody is going through something. And God really wants to show that he is the great I am in your life. He wants to show you that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And whatever is troubling you in your life, God wants you to experience this supernatural miracle in your life. So let's start in 2 Kings verse 4, um, 
sorry, chapter 4, verses 1. It says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except for a small jar of olive oil. Now we're going to take some time this morning and we're going to break down some of this scripture verse. And I want to show you some things in this story, excuse me, that in the Jewish tradition, it was known for the prophets to take care of other prophets. And we don't know for sure if um, this particular widow was the wife of Obadiah, but it probably is true that she is the wife of Obadiah. And Obadiah, the prophets would take their resources and they would take care of the other prophets because prophets had to run for their lives. They had to hide. And so be known of the families of the prophets that they would run out of resources. And this is probably what happened to her. Now she's waking up and realizing that um, her husband's dead and she has no other alternative. Now I say that to say because there's some things that you may be facing in your life that looks like a dead end and there's no other alternative. And that's where God wants to show a miracle in your life. When really you can't do anything about it is where God wants to show up that he is God. And he can do so much in your life if you learn to let him be the Lord of your life in that situation and see him as the miracle-working God. And so here she comes. She's 30 30 years old, probably, widow. And the bills have piled up. And the creditors are coming to take her son's. And that's what they do. They would take the the boys and they would put them in slavery until either the debt was paid or they would enter the year of Jubilee when all the debts were paid in full. So this woman has really come to a place of no hope. Unless God really shows up in a miracle in this situation, there is no hope. And I think there's some things we can do in our life as believers, and and we can get a little territory, we can take a little bit of ground, but it's not enough. We really need God to move in a supernatural way in this situation. Or maybe the resources are running out because the cost of living is high and and feeding your children is difficult. And and we think, how am I going to survive? And we get to this place where I don't know in the natural how this thing is going to change in my life. But everybody say, but God. You know, it's so funny because we can look at things in our life and, and we make, I think we make a big deal out of small things sometimes. Like you ever just been driving and your GPS takes you the wrong way and you're like, oh my gosh, we like just magnify this drama or maybe somebody put feta cheese on your salad on accident and it's the end of the world. Like everything's so dramatic. I have to tell you a story. I'm going to tell on your pastor here a little bit. And I probably could have been on a TikTok reel. I probably could have been famous off TikTok. But um, I came off of the conference, and I went to the airport with my friend. I went with uh, Pastor Laura, a really good friend of mine. And uh, we had a good time, by the way. And so anyway, we get into this airport, and there's nobody there. Now, when I say nobody, I mean nobody. So we go to, you know how you go through security? So um, I walk up, and there's like, you know how they have all the ropes? You got to zigzag in and out and in and out. And then you get to the card person. So I look at her, and I'm like, hey, let's just go under the rope, like right here. And then, you know, we're we're the only ones there. Okay, I'm just going to repeat this. The only ones there. So me and my friend, we go under the rope, and then we're first in line. You know, instead of going zig, 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 I am not kidding you. This woman comes out of the booth. 
She goes, oh, no, you are not going to do that. And I was like, like, literally, like, am I on a hidden camera? She goes, you girls are going to get out of the line, and you're going to go all the way back around. And I said, that is not going to happen. I was so mad. And she bounces out, and she comes. She's like a big bully trying to come at me, and I'm standing like this. I'm like, woman, I have cast demons out scarier than you. I'm not afraid of you. I may be a little woman here, but I am not afraid of you. And the whole time I'm like, I'm going after, I mean, I was so angry. And she literally opens up this. She wants us, now, I did make a mistake on my part. So what it looked like was zigzag, zigzag in my perception. It actually was just like one lane and like multiple lanes open at the end. I didn't know that. But again, I'm by myself. There's nobody else there. And she literally comes over and I'm thinking, I have to choose Jesus right now. Because my Christian hat is about to fall on the floor. I'm not kidding you. I was burning. And I will tell you the only reason why I did not confront this chick, because security was going to have to move me. This girl's going to have to pick me up and move me to walk somewhere else. I was so angry. But my friend doesn't like confrontation. So I will tell you, I walked in love, and I walked out her little gate, and I, we walked, I swear to you, five feet and came back and stood right there. I'm like, this looks like, it sounds like a movie. Like I literally, but all I kept thinking is I'm going to be accused as the Karen. Like if I make a stand here, I'm going to be accused as the Karen and she's going to get away with it. Anyway, that seemed like a big problem is my point to me. My blood was boiling. My eyes were popping. Like I literally went home last night and had a conversation with her in my living room. I I like had to unload how angry I was with her and how dare her talk to me like that. Like, I did it a couple times. I'm just going to be honest with you. I had, I had to let all that anger out of me. But there's some things that we make an issue, and they seem like a big issue. But I'm talking about the big issues in your life. I'm talking about where your marriage is really going through the, the trenches, and you're fighting for your marriage, where you're fighting for your children, amen, where there's been betrayal and people have walked away from you, and you're trying to take new territory. I believe the enemy is throwing everything he can right now at people who are trying to take kingdom authority. And they're trying to make new stances, and they're trying to be bold and courageous, and the enemy is throwing every fiery dart right now to make sure believers stay across the line where they're not shaking the dust off of their feet. Amen? And we need to recognize the enemy for who he is. So I'm talking about financial pressure. I'm talking about stress, things that are strangulating us, and we can't seem to get our foot forward. That is the area God wants to perform a miracle in your life. Say, I'm ready for it. So we're going to build your faith this morning. My first point is this. When you don't have what you really want, God is what you really need. There's a lot of things we want. I want my marriage better. I want better finances. I want better resources. I want better relationships. But you need to know that what you really need is God. You really need to pour into this relationship and this time with God and laying your life down and getting into worship and coming on Wednesday night prayer nights because God will use the little things that you have to perform a big thing in your life. What we really need is Jesus. We need to pour into the faith of the word of God, listening to teachings that are going to build our faith so that we can exercise and see the supernatural move in our life. What we don't need is somebody to feel sorry for us. 
And it does, I have compassion when people can't pay their bills. I have com huge compassion for single mothers who are working so hard, working two jobs to try to feed their children and pay the bills. But the last thing we need is to feel sorry because feeling sorry will not produce the supernatural in our life. We need people in our life that will speak truth to us. Even though it may be hard truth to hear, we need that truth, don't we? So when we look at the story of the prophet, he didn't feel sorry for her. We're going to look at something that he said to her. In verse 2, it says this, Elisha replied to her after she told him she had nothing. He said, how can I help you? I love this about Elisha because I feel like when we are going through times where we grow weary, we're going through seasons where we're tired, well, we don't really feel like we have anything left in us to get, to give. And I believe that God wants us to not grow weary while doing good. You may feel tired and exhausted and you're, and you're running on anything, but God is greater in you than he that's in the world. This is not a time to put things on pause. It's not a time to stay in our weariness and in our discouragement. And I have some scripture verses for you to encourage you this morning. The first one is Galatians 6, 7 through 9. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Listen, God has a miracle for you. He's not going to leave you hanging up that breakthrough that you need. He won't be mocked. He said, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So what do we do in the time when, when we just are at our bottom, when we're at our ends? Give some more. Sow into someone's life. Pray for someone. Sow a seed. Give your tithe. It is time to plant the seeds of the goodness of God because what you sow, you are going to reap. There are times where I have sowed in sorrow. I have sowed in brokenness. I have preached when I just wanted to run away and go be by myself. When you're in that moment, you don't walk away from the miracle that God is about to release in your life. Because the enemy will make the pressure so great. This thing's falling off. Sorry. Stay put, Barb. The enemy will make things so great. He's going to make you want to quit. And it's not the time to do that. He said, what you sow, you will reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. When you reach out to someone in your pain, what you give to them, God's going to give back to you. Amen. Amen. When you're praying for others. goes on to say, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not faint. It is time to get our running shoes on. It's time to get our encouragement back up. If you have the gift of praying in tongues, it's time to pray in tongues and build up your most holy faith because there is a miracle in motion for you. For you, for you, for you, for you. I am not talking just to the body of Christ. I'm talking about you. God has a miracle for your life. So he said, how can I help you? What else does it say? For God, I love this, Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and the labor of love which you have shown towards his name. In that you have ministered to the saints and do continue to minister. He says, I've not forgotten your labor of love. I've not forgotten your obedience. I haven't forgotten your faithfulness. I haven't forgotten the seeds that you have sown into the ground. But as you continue to serve and bless, I will bless you back. It's not a time to lighten the load and back off. It's time to get our faith excited and get ignited and do something really special for the Lord. Amen? 
Hallelujah. The Bible says in James 5, 5, 16, pray one for another that you may be healed. It's time to maybe come out of what we want and look at someone else's need and pray for someone, call someone, encourage them. Give, them. give them love, give them groceries, give them a little resources, something maybe that you need, sow that into someone else's life and you watch and see that God won't acknowledge you because he wants to bless you, amen? So Elisha said, how can I help you? I love that. Tell me, what do you have in your house? What I, what I saw about Elisha is he didn't try to give her the answers. Well, you should have been doing this. You should have been saving your money. You should have thought about that a long time ago. He didn't bring any of that to the table. He brought honor to her, and he said, what do you have in your house? And what did she say? Your servant has nothing there at all. See, when you're in a position in your life where you're tapped out, and you've been trusting God for a long time, all you can see is the problem. All she could see was the problem. She could not see that maybe there was something small in her home that God could do something with. See, we can see our problems so great that God's saying, but wait a minute, in the quietness over here, I have a miracle if you'll just listen to me, but you're too busy looking at the problem and you're too ready to sign the death sentence and get the cemetery plot instead of get your eyes focused on a small miracle that is in your house. So there's something in you and in your house that God says it's little and it's on the inside of you, but I can use that to do a miracle in your life. So we've got to get our eyes off of the problem. Single people, well, I don't have a man. I don't have a woman. <laughs> and we think there's something wrong with that. If you're single in this house, you should be running ministries in the church. You should be running ministries out like marketplace ministries. You should be busy for Jesus because you got all the time in the world, especially if you don't have any babies. So instead of looking at what you don't have, look at the opportunity in your hand. You can travel. You can minister people. You can have Bible studies in your home. You can do so many. You can do mom's groups if you're single. There's so many things you can do. There's an answer in your house. And the enemy will make you feel handicapped because you don't have a man. Well, I have traveled the world without a man. I have launched churches without a man. I learned to play the drums without a man. I've been a youth pastor without a man. And men, I'm talking to you too. You don't need women either. Well, I mean, you do. Don't get me wrong. We want you all married and we're calling in spouses. It is not your handicap. Stop looking at what you don't have and step into what you do have and God will show there's so much greater in you that you didn't even know you had because you keep looking at your problem. So I don't have a nice house. I can't have people over. Well, you have a house, and you have a roof over your head, and I'm pretty sure someone who's suffering with depression don't care if you have granite countertops. They don't care if you don't have Instagram coffee mugs and a coffee bar. They don't care. Quit looking at what you don't have and use it for the glory of God. God says, if you'll take care of my house, I'm going to take care of your house. You bring people in and pray with them. You bring them in and love them back to life. You have a community in your little apartment. Until you outgrow it, God will buy you a home. God will give you the deposit money. Why? Because we serve a supernatural God. You can take the little things that you don't like about your life, and God will do something big with it. How many are so thankful for that? Let's not be consumed with what we don't have. So what do you do when you don't have much? We'll talk about that.
Number two, stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Just start putting to work your faith. What happened here in 2 Kings 4.2? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Right? She said, I don't have anything. She couldn't see that there was just a little bit left that God could work with. She said, but oh yeah, I've got olive oil. Olive oil was so rare in its time. It was used in so many ways in the house. It was used for cooking. They would burn the lamps with the olive oil. It was a moisturizer. It was a medicine. Um, it would keep the iron from rusting. You would anoint things with this oil. And it was also an offering to God. She had a little bit of an offering that she could give to God. You have a little bit of something you can give to God. And when you give that to God, we know God will bless it, right? I want to take a little... Um, side note, are we so thankful that we serve a God who knows how to do a lot with a little? I'm so thankful. He took this little five-foot girl at 17 years old and had me do a lot in the kingdom of God. And only God can do something like that. I want to share this with you. A few things that God did a little with a lot in the Bible. We know the little boy, when Jesus was on the, on the hill speaking, and uh, they grew hungry, and God had a little boy with a lunch had five loaves and two fishes, and God fed 5,000 people, and he left 12 bushels full for every disciple so the disciples could take home and remember the miracle of God's provision. But something when you look in this story, I was reading this last week, and something just popped out of me. Like, we love that miracle part of the story, don't we? I mean, praise God. God did so, so much with so little. But if you go back to the beginning of the story, the disciples had come to Jesus. And the Bible says the disciples told Jesus everything they did and taught. And so by the time they got to Jesus, they had traveled, they had ministered, there was miracles, they had cast out demons, and when they got to Jesus, they were tired. They had told Jesus everything that they had done. Now listen, there was another miracle about to happen, a big miracle, the, the five loaves and the two fishes. They didn't know the next supernatural miracle. All they knew is they were tired. All they knew is they had done all this work and, and traveled, and they traveled by foot. And Jesus said something to them. He didn't applaud them for their great work, none of that. He said, listen, come away with me and rest and get quiet. See, before the next miracle can happen, you have to be rested and quiet. He said, come away with me. And he got on a boat, and, and they went away together. We, I don't know how long it was because the crowds gathered again, and he began to preach to them. But we want the miracle without the rest. We want the miracle without shutting down the noise of the discouragement and all the things of our lack and all the things that are stressful. And that's why God says, shake the dust off your feet, because you can't hear me for the miracle that's in motion unless you quiet yourself with me. So powerful. And so what happened? They get rested, and the crowds come again, and they're doing what they're called to do, and all of a sudden, they're hungry. The people are hungry. And, and they say to Jesus, let's send them away so that they can go get food. They couldn't even see a miracle in front of them. There was no store around them. There was no way to feed these people. Let's send them back to their regions so that they can be taken care of. But Jesus had a miracle for them right where they were at. And he said, wait a minute, you go feed them. Uh, with what? <laughs> he literally said, no, don't send them away. You feed them. Can you imagine? Well, how am I going to feed them? I didn't go fishing today, Jesus. I don't have my boat full of fish, right? That's where you're at. 
How, how am I going to do this thing, God? Jesus is like, go do it. And he said, well, what's out there? Well, there's a little boy with five loaves and two fishes. So what did Jesus do? He lifted up the little, he blessed it, and he multiplied it. That's the miracle power of God. It didn't make sense that every time they pulled off the bread, it kept going. It didn't make sense every time they cut up the fish that there was still many. That's the supernatural power of God. Take the little that you have, give it to Jesus, and let him bless it. What do we see here? We see a little boy uh, that the whole, Israel of, the whole Israelite army is terrified of this giant. They're, they were prepared for battle. And up shows little David. And God used a little boy with one stone to take out a giant. And the giant says, who do you think you are? See, the situation you're facing is like, who do you think you are? You think you really can do this? You think you're a good parent? You think you're good? You think you love Jesus? And, and it tries to intimidate you and back you off from taking down the giant you're anointed to kill? And David, they try to put the, you know, the king's armor on him. They try to make him something that he wasn't. God isn't looking for you to be something that you're not. He's looking to take what's in your hand and destroy the giant in front of you. And David was like, well, I know how to use my sling. And there's Goliath, you know, bullying him and intimidating and said he's going to take him out. And who do you think you are, little boy, coming against me? I'm too big for you to kill. And I imagine David was going into the brook going, yeah, but you're too big to miss too. He's over in the brook, chose five smooth stones, but he only needed one. And you know what? It was his faith in motion, I believe. They ridiculed him. I can't imagine what his brothers were saying. We already know they mocked him. But it was that little boy that says, my God, he prophesied this day, I will kill you and I will cut off your head with your own sword and I will run into the city with your head giving glory to God. So he prophesied, that's the authority we've been talking about, he prophesied that thing. I don't think, I don't think it mattered where he put that swing, that sling. I think he'd have slung it, and if it had went over there, the Spirit of God took that stone, hit him in the only place that he could be killed because he had armor everywhere except for a little circle right in his forehead. And that stone hit the spot to take him down. A little boy with one stone took down a giant that the entire army was afraid to destroy. You have a little bit in you. It may only be a stone. It may be only a few dollars that you can give to God. It may be only a little bit of your time. Whatever it is, God can take that little and do so much more with it. What else do we have? I love this. Jesus said you only need faith as a mustard seed. This is so powerful. Let's look at Matthew 17, 20. He said, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, I will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. The mustard seed is such a powerful thing. But when I was looking it up to, for my notes, the seed to produce fruit takes some time. Say time. See, we want to put God on our time frame. And God's like, no, put your mustard seed. It's small, but trust me, there's a process happening for you. Don't lose your faith. Don't grow weary. Don't give up. Don't let your mouth speak all the negativity when I'm doing a miracle for you. When you put that seed in motion, it has to produce the seed. Why? Because the Bible says when you release the word of God, it accomplishes that to which it was sent. I don't care how far away, how impossible, how big it is, God will take your little bitty faith in action and produce a harvest out of it. But that seed has to germinate. 
Then it goes into leaf development. Then it begins to produce the stems. Then it begins to produce the flowering. And then what happens? Fruit begins to form on that vine. And then it ripens. Stay in the process. Don't give up. But what's also is, is awesome is the mustard is an ancient plant that's full of appeal and can, for the temporary gardeners. I want you to look at this. The greens are edible. The flowers are attractive. And this is the most amazing part. If the seeds are allowed to mature on the plant, you don't touch it, they will self-sow self -sow, and still produce plenty for mustard making. What does that mean? Wait a minute. If I'm planting seed, I put my faith in there, God. I'm trusting you with my little. I'm going to let you do the work. It says if you leave it alone, the seeds from the mustard seed will blow as the wind blows and self-sow. Hundredfold return. The blessings chase you down. I'm not doing anything with that plant, but knowing life is germinating and I'm giving word, I'm giving faith, I'm giving it the water of God, I'm not touching that thing. And not only will it produce the mustard for me, but it will produce the sowing of the next seed of the next harvest. That's what the Bible says, the blessings chase you down. Well, I only have $5 in my budget, give it. Give that $5. Not because uh, we want your money, but it's a sowing of faith. If you need a financial miracle, you plant a financial seed. I'm telling you, God's blessings, when you put that seed in the ground, wait for that thing, water that thing. God says the blessings will chase you down when you give to him. And it could be anything, uh, your faith. I'm not just talking about resources. That's just many of the one areas that we're having situations with. But plant that seed of faith in the ground and watch that thing mature. And I'll tell you, that's why I got angry at that woman. It wasn't about the walk because, you know, I am okay. If she just said, girls, listen, you shouldn't have did that. But yeah, sorry about that. I don't know what the big deal is because she made a big deal about it. But um, I just felt like, you know what? I'm going to walk in love with her. I'm going to sow love. And I really wanted to say so much, like, quiet to her when I walked by her. Like, I wanted to stop and whisper. And the Holy Spirit's like, don't say anything. Just so love into her. And I so wanted to say something. <laughs> I so did. And she got a piece of me when I got home. That's for sure. <laughs> she heard it from me. I'm kind of this girl, though. Like, I love uh, vindication. So I'm like, Lord, I was praying, you trouble her heart for the things that trouble you. Oh, this is where I was going with the story. What I was made angry about it was... She disrespected me, and that was wrong. I sow love into people. I sow joy into people. I give sacrificially into people. I didn't deserve her to treat me like that, and that's where my, my righteous anger come up at me. I'm like, I felt like she judged me in a situation and, and, and had a whole perception of who she thought that I was, and she didn't know me at all. And so that's how we need to feel, like, I don't deserve this, God. I am sowing seeds of righteousness and money and serving and love into my family. I'm going to have a righteous fight that God's going to redeem me. So I marched and prayed. I said, God, she may never find me again, but she's going to be so sad about what she did. No, and I believe the Lord's going to do it. Why? Because I'm his kid. And she, she disrespected me, and that, you're not going to get away with it. And it was so funny because she was like sitting on her chair like, what I did. And I'm like, you literally actually just are funny because there's nobody in line. Like she thought she was so justified. And th that's the enemy, isn't it? Like he'll just sling things that are so stupid and try to get us off course. So, okay, enough about my lady. I, grace, grace. I let her go in Jesus name. 
I'm still trying, I suppose. But what does this show us? Pour out in your season of need. Pour out. Continue to give. Continue to love. Continue to be. I had a friend of mine just, I love dearly, and there was just the enemy came in and something bad happened. And you know what I had to do? I released her to Jesus. I said, I love her, God. And I tried to reconcile it. It isn't yet. But I said, Lord, have your way. I release her. I, I give her to you, Jesus. I release grace and mercy over her. Amen. So pour out. And I'm still texting her and still loving her. And I'm not going to give up. So you keep loving someone even when they're unlovable, even when they want to reject you. Amen. Now, don't go overboard. But I'm just saying, as the Spirit leads you, God can do a little with a lot. Say amen. amen. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, I have a couple more minutes. And what did God say to Moses? Moses was called to lead the children of Israel, a thousand, million people, out of captivity. And he said, I, I can't even talk, God. See, we look at our in, inadequacies. We look at maybe our age. We look at these things in our life, and we, we think, well, that's just it. I can never do this miracle. And, and God said to Moses, what's in your hand? I will use that little rod that seems so insignificant. If you will give it to me, I will produce miracles out of it. And what happened? The, the, witch, the uh, sorcerers and the witcheries threw their stick down. Moses threw his stick down. They all turned to snakes. But guess what? Moses' stick, snake, ate the other snakes up. Didn't make sense. How did a stick uh, split the Red Sea? Doesn't make sense. It was what is in Moses' hand. And a miracle happened by a small little stick. It doesn't make sense. This isn't enough, God. It's not demonstrated enough. No, God says, use what you have. I can part the Red Sea, amen? I can turn the Nile in, into blood. God can do a little. You have everything you need to do what God wants you to do. Everything. And it may be a little at a start, but God will add to it and add to it and make it so amazing, Amen. When, you, when what you have is not enough, God will provide the miracle. Isn't that good? God will provide the miracle. Hallelujah. Okay, let me fast forward a little bit. Let's go to the next point. Offer God what you have and trust him to give, him, give you what you need. Offer God what you have and trust him to give you what you need. What do you need? You need a miracle. You need something supernatural. So let's look at 2 Kings, the best part of the story. Elijah said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Say empty jars. That's going to be very significant. Ask for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. See, she had this little. It doesn't make sense. This is like, why is he asking me to do this? There's nothing I can do with these jars. But he said, ask big. Go big. And I feel like God's saying, don't ask for small in this season. You already need a miracle. Why not make it an amazing miracle? Why not make it mind-blowing, mountain-moving, God-glorifying miracle in your life? Why settle for small? Put it all out on the table. Get it out there. Say, God, this is what I want. I got some big stuff out there with God, and I know God's going to perform it. He said, don't just get a few. Verse 4, then, I love this part, go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Like, okay, why, did he ask, why was it specific? Like, wouldn't you go into your house and just shut your door? Like, why don't I need somebody to tell me to shut my door to me and my sons? And I felt like the representation was, you need to shut out all the fear and doubts that you may be going through. And you may to shut out what anybody else thinks about you. Because I'm pretty sure she's talked to her neighbors about what she needs. And then she's knocking on the door saying, hey, can I have an empty jar? And they're thinking, this woman has lost her mind. 
See, there's things that you're going to step into in faith that other people won't have a clue about it. Shut the door to their opinion. It doesn't matter what your family thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It doesn't matter what you think. Shut the door to fear and unbelief. Quit looking at the bottom line in your checkbook or in your bank account. God is bigger. Shut the door. Well, we'll look at it. Don't go spending money. But you know what I mean? Don't let that be the determining factor of the miracle God wants to place in your life. Amen? So he said, then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. And I felt like the Lord showed me what you're going to win victory over is going to affect your legacy. You're going to win this miracle and your children are going to see it. And not only, they became a participator in the miracle. The sons went and got the, the vessels of empty. They must have, my mom has lost her mind. They're going, okay, let's get the blue one over here. Well, let's get the gray one, get the bigger one, get the small one. And God used the sons through the mother's faith to participate in a supernatural miracle of God. It's a legacy thing that God is doing. And then what did he say? Pour oil into all the jars. That pouring, it's a flow. It's time to get back into the flow of the anointing. It's time to pour out to God, amen? It means to be firmly established. That means when you're stepping out in faith, I'm not going to be moved. I'm going to stand strong. I'm going to stay in my faith. I'm going to speak the word of God. I'm going to get out of my emotions, and I'm going to pour out this miracle as God has called me to do this thing, amen? We're not going to be weary. We're not going to be discouraged, and we're not going to be hopeless. So pour out into all these jars, and as each is filled put it to one side. She left him and shut the door. She obeyed. Say obeyed. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought, they, the sons, brought the jars to her and she just kept pouring. Can you imagine how that must have felt? She's got this little jar of oil and she's pouring it and it's endless. And the supernatural miracle of God comes up in this empty jar and she puts it to the side. Bring the next one. Boom, comes in supernatural miracle. I'm telling you, what God wants to do is going to be a flow of his miraculous power. Because when your faith is out there, it's unstoppable. There are blessings after blessings, after favor, after promotion, after checks showing up on your door, family members dropping money off at you. You don't know by your little faith pouring out what God can do. And so jar by jar began to come forward, and she was pouring it in and pouring it in. And verse 6, and when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Listen to this. Then the oil stopped flowing. Now, you would think, oh, man, that's a bummer. Like, why didn't she go get 10 more jars? But God will give you the need that you want, that you want the need at the level you need it. Because he's not the sugar daddy. We're going to have to get our, because you imagine by the 20th vessel, she'd be like, dang, we got this thing, you know? And, 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 but God wants us to get our faith active again. He wants us to get back and believing him. But this is what happened. When all the jars were full, she said, bring me another one. There aren't any. The oil stopped flowing. She went, listen, this is powerful. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil. And do what? And pay your debts. See, when you do a, give it to God, God will give you the financial plan. He'll give you the miracle, the business plan that you need to do the promises of God. You need, the, you need to know how to restore your marriage. Pour out the oil. Pour out the oil. And now God will give you the strategy at the end. You're like, oh, I know how to love my husband back to life. 
I know how to reach my children. I couldn't see it before, but because I was trusting God, I can see it now. He said, go sell the oil, pay your debts. Can you imagine how freeing that must have been to this woman? She was going to have to sell the same sons that were in, in doing the miracle in motion. She was going to have to sell them into slavery, and God used those sons to perform the miracle. And she was able to pay her debt. You and your sons can live on what is left. Who knows how much was left over? When you step into this supernatural, God's going to blow your mind. You think you want an okay marriage? He's going to give you the best marriage. You're going to be all giggly and funny and acting like, you know, 20-year-olds again. That's the kind of blessing God wants to give you. Your children are away from you and God, they're going to rise up and call you blessed. That's the supernatural of God. And they're going to serve God and they're probably going to go into the ministries they're called to be into that they're running from. Amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> so keep on pouring. But what did, what did they, what did she have to pour into an empty vessel? The oil is the anointing. The vessel is us. You have to be willing to empty your vessel. There's too many things that are taking residence in us that are not supposed to be there. It's time to empty pride. It's time to empty shame. It's time to empty unforgiveness. It's time to empty fear in our carnal thinking. Empty it out. Because God could only refill the oil when the vessel was empty. And what happens when we're going through struggle? We want to control it. We're right in the mix of it all. And God's like, get out of it and let me be God. Let me move where I need to move. Empty yourself of the burdens that you are carrying. I saw these pastors carrying so many burdens, and it's three years later, and they're still carrying these hurts. And I got every one of those phone numbers because I'm about to call all of them and get them out of that place enough amen enough it's time to put the devil under our feet it's time to say no more to the things of old i'm not going to be discouraged i'm not going to be rejected i'm not going to be left behind i'm going to step into who god's called me to be and i'm calling all those women that i saw out of that and in the name of jesus amen so we're going to empty ourselves of those things let's be willing vessels because what is second corinthians 4 7 as i finish up here this morning but we have this this treasure in jars of clay. Is that what it says? We have this treasure, which is God, Jesus, in jars of clay. We are the jars. And you know what the scripture says is mold me and make me. Our hearts need to be pliable, soft to God. Let him shape you in this hour. Let him build your faith on the inside of you so that he can fill the anointing on your life. The Bible says what? When you are weak, is strong. I feel weak. I feel vulnerable. I feel insecure. That's my vessel, but I'm going to pour that out, cast, like, like our sweet sister said, cast it. I'm emptying that out so that he can fill me with fresh oil, so that I can pour out, and that I can go back and get rid of If I'm hungry, he said, I'll be the bread of life. If you're thirsty, I'll be living water. If you're in darkness, I am the light. If you're lost, God says, I will guide the way. If you're unstable, he is the rock. Whatever you're feeling, it's time to pour that out. God is looking for empty vessels, isn't he? He's looking for empty vessels. So let me pray that over you this morning. Father, I thank you for everyone here and watching online. God, I truly believe you have miracles for this church family, miracles for the single mothers, miracles for those who are struggling, God, in their emotions and, and feeling less than what God has for them. 
And God, today in the spirit, I ask that you would wipe out all those insecurities. I pray, God, that you'd eradicate every lie of the enemy, God. Shut it down in the name of Jesus. And God, I decree the gift of faith in every one of their hearts. That, Lord, whatever little they have, God, they will pour it out to you. They will trust you with their time. They will trust you in their friendships and relationships. They will trust you with their jobs and their resources, God. Whatever's troubling our heart, God, we're going to cast it at your feet today. And we're going to say, God, I don't want to carry this any longer. I want to step into peace in my heart and in my life. And Lord, today, as we do empty ourselves of those things, and if there's anything that you're like, you know you've been carrying in your vessel, just give it to the Lord right now. Whether it's rejection or fear, maybe you're even frustrated with God because God didn't show up where you thought he should, or maybe it's comparison and jealousy. I don't know what the enemy has caused you to carry in your vessel. Maybe it's fear, doubt. Just give it to the Lord right now. Anything you've tried to take into your hands, just say, God, I don't want to be in control of it anymore. Because I just, there's a treasure waiting in your release. I just heard that from the Holy Spirit. You're holding on to something that you know is in your heart, but because you're holding on to it, God can't release it. So God says, let it go. Take your hands off the driving wheel. Just let it go. God, our children, our marriages, friendships, finances, Lord, we speak grace, grace to those things. But we lay them at your cross today. Father, even church hurt, betrayal, God, we just let it all go today. And Lord, we are empty vessels. And Lord, I pray right now that you will fill them up with your anointing all over this room. Lord, from the top of their head to the tips of their toes, let your anointing fall down off Aaron's beard, as the Bible says, the anointing from the priest falling off into their lives, God. Let them leave here today fresh, hopeful, stirred, faith, that God, if you can do it for the widow, you can do it for them. If you can do it for little boy David, you can do it for them. If you can do it for Moses, you can do it for them, God that you are not a God that is a respecter of persons. But God, you have miracles for them. And I speak the peace of God. Give them rest this week. Give them rest and peace in their hearts. God, silence the noise so that they can really be refreshed by you. And I want to give anyone the opportunity today that needs to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And I don't know, maybe you're away from the Lord. Maybe you've been turned off by religion. I don't know what it is, but I truly believe God displayed his love today to you. I truly believe he displayed his grace to you. And he's offering you the free gift of eternal life. That when we take our last breath here on earth, we are ushered into the glory of the Lord. What a beautiful gift. And all he asks is for you to say yes. Say yes to his son that laid down his life for you it's not going to be perfect after it life isn't perfect but now you've invited jesus into your life and the word says this that you can't understand the things of the spirit until you're born of the spirit and so many of us try to understand god before we surrender him and that's not faith he says you'll trust me by faith that i've forgiven you i will now cause you to understand things in your life so i feel like some of us need to be ushered into that 
So I'm going to ask us all today to say this prayer of giving our life to Jesus. Maybe you're coming back to the Lord, and maybe you're just knowing this is a decision you need to make, and it's going to change your life forever. But if we'll all say this prayer together, say, Dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sins. I declare you to not just be my Savior, but to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for forgiving me and laying your life down. In Jesus' name, amen. With all eyes closed, for just one moment, if you said that prayer this morning, whether coming back to Jesus for the first time, just lift it up all over this room, all over this room. Thank you back there. Anyone else this morning? Thank you back there. And, you know, you don't have to raise your hands. That's not the, you know, ticket to salvation. It's just acknowledging to God that you said yes. But even if it's private in your heart, let the Lord go with you. Let him speak to you and guide you. And I pray the seeds that were planted in your heart will produce a harvest. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. You go ahead, stand to your feet. I want to invite you again to Wednesday night prayer. We've only had two. This will be our last one uh, for a little while. We're doing our 21 days of prayer and fasting in January, of course. But um, prayer nights are always my favorite, so come on out to those. Amen. Father, I thank you for this amazing group. I thank you for the life-changing seeds that's in their heart. God, let them grab onto it. Let them exercise this amazing faith, ridiculous faith in their life. I thank you, God, for angels around them, going before them, the blood of Jesus around them. No disease or pestilence shall come neither dwelling in the name of Jesus. They will walk in great health and prosperity and blessings and favor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I love you all. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.